0: Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, February 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. HSBC is holding off on appointing a permanent head of the bank. Energy executives in China are braced for a significant fall in oil consumption because of the coronavirus, and Spotify has made another push into podcasts in search for profits. But first, the U.S. Senate has acquitted President Donald Trump of both charges against him in the impeachment trial. The FT's U.S. managing editor, Peter Spiegel, explains how it unfolded and where things go from here. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day.
1: Well, the one surprise, or maybe it wasn't a surprise because he had been signaling that he was ready to buck the president for, for some time, was Mitt Romney. A big name in the Republican Party, a former presidential nominee of the Republican Party, who stood up and gave a very emotional speech. It was eight minutes on the Senate floor where he actually seemed to break down basically saying he had to vote to convict the president because he felt his conscience would not stand doing anything else, that it was his constitutional responsibility. He had found that the president had breached his oath of office and had abused his power, and that was the big surprise of the day. No one else broke ranks. We saw Joe Manchin, who is sort of the conservative Democrat from West Virginia, had signaled he might go with the Republicans to uh, acquit. He stood with his party. So it was a 52 to 48 split. There was only one senator who switched parties, which, A, shows how partisan Washington has become, but also the hold that Donald Trump has on the Republican Party, because there was no break in the House and there was no break in the Senate throughout this impeachment process.
0: Right. And we should note, Mr. Romney was actually the first senator in U.S. history to vote to convict a president from his own party. That was just on the abuse of power charge. Mr. Romney voted with other Republicans to acquit Mr. Trump on the charge of obstructing Congress. Peter, what does this outcome mean for Mr. Trump's momentum as the 2020 U.S. presidential election ramps up?
1: Well, look, it was a good week for the president. I mean, his approval ratings are at a high for his term. He's at 49% approval rating, according to Gallup. The Democrats are in disarray after their Iowa caucuses went haywire. Uh, We still don't have the final results, believe it or not. However, as with everything Trumpian, All these things tend to be temporary. And I think, frankly, the American people have a rather short attention span uh, for any of this stuff. So I think sort of drawing any conclusions on this now, I think, is premature.
0: Investors in HSBC will have to wait even longer for the bank to name the next permanent chief executive. Three of the top 20 HSBC investors told the FT they had been expecting the bank to name interim chief Noel Quinn or an external candidate as the permanent head before the company's strategic overhaul was unveiled on February 18th. But people briefed on the bank's plans say Mr. Quinn would not be confirmed on or before the strategy was in place, and that the search for the permanent successor is still in progress. Mr. Quinn was appointed interim chief executive six months ago, and the shakeup he's preparing to launch next week will involve at least 10,000 job losses. Some have raised concerns over whether, as an interim chief, Mr. Quinn even has the authority to implement such sweeping changes. And if the company is planning to bring in an external candidate, investors think it could be difficult for someone new to join partway through the strategic overhaul. HSBC has been searching for a new chief executive since John Flint was ousted last August. Chairman Mark Tucker said the search would take between 6 and 12 months. And the effects of the coronavirus could curb China's oil consumption by 25 percent this month, at least according to projections by executives at some of the country's largest refineries. Their projection has nationwide demand dropping by 3.2 million barrels a day in February compared to last year. That's the same as saying that more than 3% of global consumption would be wiped from the board. The deadly virus outbreak has forced Chinese authorities to quarantine cities and restrict travel. Factories have extended closures following the Lunar New Year holiday almost two weeks ago. All of this has led to expectations that demand for oil will plunge, with oil prices falling as a result. With China being the world's top oil importer, these projections could undermine confidence in the market even further. The market for Brent crude oil entered bear market territory earlier this week after it had dropped more than 20% since January. It rebounded slightly yesterday on reports that a treatment for the coronavirus may soon be found. Global equities rallied on Wednesday on the back of the same reports. And here's a story you should know more about. Spotify gained 11 million subscribers in the final three months of 2019 to boast 124 million worldwide but that wasn't enough to satisfy investors. Instead, shares in the streaming service tumbled nearly 5% on Wednesday. That was after the company said it would keep up its spending in 2020. Spotify is probably best known for its music business, but it is set on investing in another type of audio, podcasting. It reinforced the push by announcing its acquisition of the sports media group The Ringer, which produces several popular podcasts of its own. But can Spotify turn podcasts into profit? The FT's US media correspondent Anna Nicolau has more.
2: About a year ago, Spotify basically announced that podcasts were its new big thing. And to their credit, they followed through. So they've been basically buying up podcast companies as well as, you know, licensing podcasts from various other companies and just adding more and more podcast content to their platform. This was the latest one. Wednesday morning, they said that they're not done, basically, to expect more of this, more content deals at least to be announced. And, you know, if they see something interesting, they could buy it still.
0: And the names they picked up prior to the Ringer were by no means small. You had Gimlet, Parcast, Anchor, Spotify CEO Daniel Eck called Gimlet Spotify's HBO, called the Ringer their ESPN. Ana, why is Spotify putting so much into its podcast game?
2: There are many, many reasons. I would say, first and foremost, it's it's a good story to tell. And they decided about a year ago, like, this is the story we're telling. We're going to say podcasts are the future. It's going to replace the radio. Spotify executives love to compare themselves to Netflix and say, this is, you know, like when Netflix got into making its own TV shows, we are now making our own content. And they can't make their own. Well, they, in theory, could make their own music. But the problem in music is that basically all the music we listen to globally is owned by a few companies. So they can't really own content and music that's actually going to be streamed to any real degree. So podcasts were kind of an obvious thing, right? It's audio. You can listen to it on Spotify. It's still, you know, a growing and newer industry. So yeah, they can buy up these big companies in the podcast world, but it's still not that expensive in the context of, I mean, compared to a video deal or even just content for video, it's, it's a lot of money, right? It's also about finding a way to add some revenue that isn't subject to these very costly music royalty deals that they have for their normal catalog.
0: Right. And by being a little less expensive, maybe podcasts could be a quicker path to profit for Spotify, something investors would really like to see. But what does that focus on podcasting mean for its original business, music streaming?
2: Yeah, exactly. So the the issue for Spotify is that, I mean, historically it's been a music app, and the way its business is structured is based on that. So to kind of give you, a, in layman's terms, how their business works, Spotify makes $10 from a subscriber. Roughly $7 out of that is paid out to the music industry to various companies that own the copyrights to the music. Spotify keeps $3 and uses it you know, for its business costs and so forth, but you can see pretty quickly how it's not easy for them to make much money in the end. And the the assumption that there's been with podcasts is that would be a way to get around this structure because they could actually own these podcasts. So in theory, they wouldn't be stuck in these very onerous contracts and paying out most of their money. But there's a few things that make that complicated. One being their current contracts with the music companies basically say that they have to pay the music companies a minimum percentage of their subscription revenues, regardless of how much people listen to podcasts or their music catalog or anything else, they're in negotiations for their next contract and speaking to various people on the music side who were either directly or indirectly involved in these talks, they have absolutely no interest in losing any of their share of, of Spotify's money, which isn't surprising, but it doesn't even really seem to be something they're considering at this point. So on that side, that's more of, it would be a kind of a longer term thing. Maybe five years from now, they'll feel differently. The world will look different, probably, in a lot of ways. And podcasts could be a much bigger thing on Spotify. But for now, they're really constrained by that element of it, where no matter what, no matter you know how much people are listening to something or how many podcasts they add on Spotify, they still have to pay a ton of money out to music companies.
0: You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. And before I go, I want to talk about an exciting event we've got coming up, a live recording of the FT's UK Politics Podcast. Presenter Sebastian Payne, along with Miranda Green, Robert Trimsley, and George Parker will turn their attention to what lies ahead for Boris Johnson as the UK and the European Union try to work out a new relationship. The live show will be on Wednesday, February 26th. Go to live.ft.com podcast for more details.
1: Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. with Good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, Award winning insights and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com/slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, NA, copyright 2024.